0: Hello guys and welcome back to this week's episode of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. Today I'm speaking to Gareth Capon, CEO at Grabio. Gareth's career has seen him take on positions at Accenture, BT, Sony and Sky, leading him to his current position at Grabio, industry leaders in the cloud video production space. Hope you enjoy this episode. Right, so good morning and welcome to the In The Hub podcast today, Gareth. How are you doing? I'm oh, very good.
1: Thanks a Very good to be here. Thank you.
0: No, it's good to hear. And thank you for obviously taking the time out this morning to to come and speak to us about some some pretty interesting topics, actually, and, and things that I've wanted to cover for a little while now. Um, and that's obviously to do with with live production and that being based out in the cloud and things like that. Uh, so, Gareth, before we do kind of get into the nitty gritty of, of, of cloud-based live production and things like that. How did you personally get your start within the broadcasting industry? Where did it all begin for you?
1: Yeah, well, I didn't really start within the broadcast industry at all, to be honest. Um, for the when I start, I started out my career as a, as a strategy consultant you know, twenty odd years ago, um, working in sort of media and technology uh, with media and technology companies, and actually went out on my own to sort of launch a, a smaller, you know, a smaller strategy consulting firm focused on that sector because I was specifically interested in sort of media and technology, and at that time. Launched, day, decided to launch my first startup, which was like a social networking and music streaming distribution business all on mobile right back in 2005. And it was a really fun business. We had a load, you know, we signed up hundreds of hundreds of thousands of bands and, and users, but that like the technology for video streaming was, was horrendous. So, you know, the iPhone had to launch, you could barely get a video out on a mobile phone. But I was always fascinated by, I suppose the trends in, in media consumption, just trends in human behavior ultimately. And that sort of led us to, to build that business, which was, you know, not, it wasn't a particularly successful company, but it was a, it was a really fun project. It taught me a lot about, you know, about, about media, about video and about mobile in particular. And I think that from that point onwards, I was always really interested in sort of the intersection of, of consumer behavior and media and what that meant for, for industry and obviously yeah, video being a, a really cool part of that. So you know, I, my career went on. I worked at you know, Sony Music. I also worked at Sky. Um, yeah, we're actually running the mobile apps there, and that was probably the, you know, the the precursor to coming to Grabio. So I think it's um, I, I think that the the most interesting question is really is what what does the broadcasting industry you know, quote unquote really mean now? What's it? What does and certainly What does it mean? As you look forward for the next five yeah. to ten years, and I think that's probably the the core of what we're what we're doing here at Gravio, and the bit that really excites me about about looking
0: forward. Yeah, and it's every time I write that question out in preparation for these podcasts, it's every day the the kind of definition of the broadcasting industry is becoming a lot more vague, isn't it? A lot more kind of general. Anyone can really be a broadcaster um, these days with some of the technologies and tools that we've got, um, and I truly find that really exciting. To be honest, I think that's you know that's that's the way it should go. Um, you touched on it a little bit there Gareth already but what is it about the kind of broadcasting industry that really keeps you hooked if you had to boil
1: it down into one thing I think you just touched on it it's about content creation the most exciting part of of this space is that it's it's focused on on people who are creating things that other people want to want to watch. And if you think of if one of our most valuable assets that we have is our time, and we're giving up our time to to spend that on content, watching, sharing, talking about something, I think it's it's hugely important, and it brings such an amount of you know joy and, and passion to, to lots of people's lives. Everything from whether it's sport or music or you know fitness or any any news, whatever it may be, any form of content. If people are giving up their time, it means that they're that they enjoy it and they want to watch it. And I think what's what we've seen over the course of the last last decade, as you touched on a moment ago, is this huge proliferation of what a content creator is, who can do it. You know, it's been really democratized in terms of access. And I think that's fantastic. It means that anyone with a with a great story to tell or some creative ideas now actually can go out and create a platform, get an audience. Um, and, and maybe even make a career out of, you know, out of creating content, which I think was very, you know, a much more challenging thing to do outside of the traditional media industry a decade or more ago.
0: Definitely. No, I couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, Gareth, for anyone who doesn't already know, could you just run us through uh, some of the background on, on Grabio as a company?
1: Sure. Happy to. I mean, we launched Grabio about seven years ago. Uh, when we launched we were a, um, a live clipping business and that that's still one of our you know most popular products you know helping anyone with with content uh, that's generally live it can be on online content as well but generally live content to get that out in short form uh, version across Predominantly social media platforms, maybe websites, apps in real time. So, whether it's you know goals from the Champions League from from BT Sport or helping UFC share elements of you know pre and post fight or, or their fights, whatever it may be on you know, news, news clips, but really getting that content from a an event or a more traditional media channel or a broadcast channel into most of the time into social feeds in front of users on social platforms in real time. That's where the business started, uh, and we built out lots of tools for. Yeah, Optimize like content, you know, for vertical formats and and square, and adding graphics, and all the things you'd expect to see on our, on in your social media feeds. Um, we've added editing tools too, as you start to look at sort of compilations of, of clips and those environments. But the the more uh, the more recent development over the last sort of eighteen to to twenty four months was actually building out a production platform for for creating live you know live TV or live live events, live video in the cloud. And that is a, a, a real focus of the business from a development standpoint right now. Uh, yeah, looking at all of the, the elements of a traditional control room or traditional production environment and seeing how much of that we can rebuild in a browser and really looking you know, we talked earlier about broadcast, if we think about broadcast as focused on, on quality and like the professional level of, of content production and output, that's really where we're focused. How can we take those, those really professional tools and that really high quality polished output and create that an environment which we can make much simpler to use incredibly flexible and scalable in the way that it's built but accessible to everyone because you just need you know a laptop and internet connection not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of hardware brilliant
0: stuff gareth um and, and i did want to touch on this and it's this idea of obviously uh, uh, cloud technology for live production uh, and just how much of a game changer that has been for, for so many broadcasters and companies uh, across the globe um If you kind of had to boil it down into some core benefits uh, for broadcasters, both big and small, um, what what kind of benefits can those broadcasters expect from cloud-based live production?
1: There's a whole range of things really. And it depends on, you know, the the scale of investment in, in the technology, what it is that people are trying to do, and, and, and actually how much of the more sort of traditional production services and uh, in infrastructure are available to the people creating the content. That all has an impact. So we do a whole range of things in, in cloud production. And, you know, the, the vision is, is pretty significant and broad in terms of what we're going to build out over the course of the, of the next you know, year or two. But if you look at what's being done today, you know, there's, you can probably break it down into three or four core areas. One is people doing sort of Cloud sort of unique cloud productions, like a digital production, so something which is created maybe entirely in Gravio, bringing in you know guests from you know various locations around the world, bringing in adding graphics, maybe bringing in social media content, feedback from fans, and creating a show which might go out on on YouTube Live or on Facebook or, or to a website, uh, maybe all of those platforms at the same time. But it's a show that can look, you know, look really high quality, but actually the, the production input and the infrastructure required and, and the people required is is really lightweight and, and much much more flexible than a traditional setup. You know, we do a really interesting show with uh with UFC that's sort of a, a pre Pre-fight show, which is shot partly on mobile phones, you know, partly on sort of remote cameras, we replicate their broadcast graphics, and it looks, you know, it looks really high quality. But the but the production setup is really lightweight, you know, compared to their you know big OB trucks and other things they'd be they'd be bringing to their their big events. Uh, so that's that's one area. I think there's another area which is sort of uh, augmenting, or extending, you know, localizing traditional production. So we do a lot. A lot of this might be in sport, whether it's things like remote commentary or creating you know, different graphics packages for a um, for a. a you know host broadcast output or you know even things like you know cropping a uh, 16 by 9 you know, video feed in in vertical format because you want to stream it on tick tock whatever it might be there's, there's lots of things you can do in the cloud that uh, sort of sit alongside a traditional production and we don't we definitely don't see gravio needing to be exclusive all the time in, me, in many cases it's not we, we we're, we're very commonly used in in combination with other, other production technologies. And of course, you can add on you know, the, the clip in the highlights editing Gravio as, as part of that. Um, and then I think the, the last piece then is starting to look at that that more sort of progressive, you know, disruptive area. It says, well, where can you start to replace you know, elements of traditional production? Where can you reduce costs? Where can you increase flexibility? Where can you add scale and, and access in a way that was, wouldn't be possible if you have to have everyone at a venue or in a, in a studio? uh or or in a truck wherever it may be and and there's you know there's obviously components of that which still need to be built on our side and we you know we we release updates to the product every week to do that um but also um it has some really quite significant benefits you know in terms of the environmental sustainability in terms of the you know the 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 cost model for production because you only have to you can pay for exactly what you need and what you use rather than having to buy lots of capacity and simple things like people not having to get on on a plane or, or go to a to a studio that has that has impacts on who can do the production and where they can be and and what they can work on so i think all of these things are really important we just if we talked earlier about broadcast we're going back to that topic you know the 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 expectations of quality you know reliability of the service are really high in the broadcast environment and for good reason You know, tv works and it's and it doesn't go down very often and and it looks great and we it's incumbent on us to build out you know the tools and the scale to be able to live, deliver that level of experience. And we're pretty confident about that. We've done shows on TV with Fox in Mexico. You know, one we did some work with EA uh, last year on, on ESPN for one of their big FIFA tournaments. So that we, we know that we have the capability to deliver it to, to every screen. And that's really the vision. Can we yeah, build out a set of production technologies that can do everything from an 80-inch OLED TV in your living room down to a, a vertical video on live and TikTok. If we can do all of those things in a really easy to use, really scalable way, then then we've got you know the opportunity to take advantage of all of this new live content coming out because i think that's the other part of um of this discussion it's not just about well what can you do in, in sport or news or traditional media well, what about live shopping what about you know corporate events what about all the, uh, the the event section in general which is you know sort of a mix of virtual and hybrid right now and all of these you know, zoom communications as we as we talked about earlier you know live video is actually a a much bigger category than people necessarily realize because consumers at home necessarily aren't thinking that when they jump on a FaceTime call, you know, with their, with their parents or their grandparents, essentially that's a live, that's a live video experience. You might not be looking for, for graphics and production and camera switching, but essentially you're getting a live video experience in the cloud. So I think that the category itself is going to increase a lot. And I think particularly as we, as we look at the, the sort of the next generation of you know of youtubers of you know on tiktok on these social media styles i think live's going to become increasingly important category because it is so unique and because you can't you can't replicate the serendipity of a live experience so i really firmly believe that this this category is going to going to grow this isn't just about looking at how we support traditional media it's also saying how do we support the new media the new formats that emerge and, and ultimately the new platforms that emerge too because as we've seen with the growth in in Twitch, and TikTok, you know, we're we're not finished in in what new platforms look like, So we haven't even touched on on AR and Oculus and the Metaverse oh, and all these yes. other you oh, know yes. popular topics that are around right now uh, yeah. that we just begin to dip our toes into. So I think I think we're very very early in in the development of this industry.
0: Yeah, no, I could have a whole entire kind of podcast series talking about just the potential for new technologies, like you're saying, with, with VR and things like that, and AR. Um, that is. It's something that I constantly find myself amazed about, it's finding out about this this new potential for video to work its way into pretty much every facet of our lives. Uh, and there's just new stuff coming in every day, isn't there? It's, it's, it's really exciting stuff. And then, Gareth, I think you guys are really well placed to answer this question. Um, and it's just how are today's consumers uh, influencing the technology choices that broadcasters are making?
1: I think a lot of it does come down to to time, as we talked about, before, time and tension. You know what what's changed in a world where everyone or almost everyone is connected all the time is that access, you know, to content, to video, to communications is is nonstop, and therefore the amount of choice that you have is almost limitless. And I think that's a that has a really significant impact on the you know, the type of content that that's going to be made available to consumers. You know, how it's made available, which platforms that it's on, does it is it authentic and does it fit well on that platform? Does it meet the expectations of the audience when they're there? You know there's a very big difference in shooting a show for TikTok than there is for uh, you know shooting it for 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 Sky Sports or for uh, you know for BBC one or for you know for NBC, whatever it might be. there's a so I think there's that's that's the first question is really understanding the, the characteristics of a platform audience and making sure your content fits fits well in that environment. And then the, the the second question is making sure that you create, you know, both a content experience and, and a business model which which is attractive to, to consumers because they have choices. And I think that's a that's been the big change in, in streaming. We've been long been proponent of, the, of a move from more traditional, particularly in the sort of TV video industry, you know, more traditional forms of broadcasting to to streaming all of its forms because it gives choice. It gives a level of options and choice to to consumers, and most and importantly, that's supported by a flexible lower price point lower cost business model which also gives more access to people so i actually think that we, we may see a slight reversion in some areas towards and then more free services being available actually i think street yeah, We we've seen this maybe with peacock as a uh, in the us as a good example so we're seeing this this move saying that there needs to be a, a breadth of content available we need it to be high quality in, in, in many cases and, that, and, and you see actually over time platforms tend to move towards quality. They start off as really, you know, as as low quality and they increasingly improve. And that's that's everything from Zoom calls to, you know, to, to videos on Facebook. Um, and, and within that, it means that people are looking, obviously, for the tools to be able to help, you know, produce that content, but also really think about what the, you know, what the business model is to support it. So um, it, uh, give that flexibility of access and make sure that it's people get the choice. They get the choice of content they want to consume. But also maybe at a price point that they they think is is reasonable, and I think we're seeing a bit of that um, reordering of the industry on that basis now. You know, obviously Disney made a you know, made a big strong move with regards to Disney Plus, um, and I think that will continue. And I think that's going to be the the big shakeup at the top end of the industry. But then you've got all this all this really interesting stuff happening at the bottom too. You know, these creators on on TikTok or Snap or or YouTube who are out, you know, have business models which are not yeah you know, they're they're free to wear and they're obviously they're either paid by as a creator or um, as for tips or by advertising and so this whole industry of, of complete of a completely different content creation model but also a distribution model too so for you know for us as a business you know, we we see opportunities in, in both those sectors we're definitely more focused on the higher end and the focus on what would be considered more traditional you know like professional broadcasting but actually i expect that that sort of second tier over time to, to to increase and move towards the more sort of professional tier as it were because they, people are going to see the opportunities that they want to they want to stand out and they want to differentiate their experience you, you sort of see it already on twitch you know that the top twitch creators have a relatively professional setup and experience i think we're going to see that in lots of other places
0: yeah no 100 it's it's as we've been talking now that i realize just how much uh obviously social media clips that i i, I consume um and just in general more kind of short-form content so i i will choose youtube videos over sitting down and watching an hour-long drama on, on on traditional tv um i'm not really sure what that says about me but um do you think that it's it's kind of getting harder to, to keep the attention of audiences with this long-form content uh nowadays
1: it's hard to say though you, you only have to look at you know, the, the most popular sporting events on particularly on free to air television whether it's the you know, the world cup you know, uh, or the euros during the summer and actually you know, certainly if you look at the if you look we're seeing in the uk you look at you know, england's you know, good performance in the euros and they had half the country watching the final live at the same time maybe more than half the country so there are definitely live long-form experiences to still have the opportunity to aggregate big audiences and i don't think that's going to change um, I think that, you know, to your early point, of view, I do think yeah I do think it's really important. I think it's particularly important, obviously, for things that are happening live that are driven by conversation because we're all connected now. The information is going to find us if something is happening live and it, whether it's a big news event or, or sport or music, the reality is that conversation is going to be happening. And when that conversation is happening, people are going to look for content and they may not always be able to watch it live or want to watch it live. Therefore, the next best thing is getting access to that content in real time as a, as a, as a short form piece of content. Um, you've then got the the other discussion you have, well, there's other platforms like YouTube, which almost have a limitless supply of content. And again, you know, the, the, the viewing experience has been traditionally short form, but given that YouTube's one of the YouTube's fastest going platforms is the TV platform or connected TV platforms, then maybe that changes. Maybe you know, YouTube's average viewing time has gone up over time. And then you've got the the you've got a platform like Twitch, which breaks the model entirely. It's a it's a live platform with viewing times. That they talk about often an average of two hours or more people watching big events or streams. So, so I don't I don't know. I don't necessarily know whether it's it's saying that people just want to watch things which are shorter form. I think it's that people have choice and there is more context to it. And you need to I mean and people are making choices based on their own personal personal desires and and what the sort of the the aggregate experience of their of their friends is in many ways so my view or our view certainly within the company is that you need to make sure your content is available as many places as possible you need to win that war for attention and you need to give people choice and it shouldn't and regardless almost of the investment in the content that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way that a fan will want to consume it um, I, I tell this anecdote uh, of like a, of my son which i think was a, a fascinating insight into yeah, an eight-year-old's view of media when One day he sat down um, in in front of the TV on a Sunday morning watching the rerun on live TV of Match of the Day. And it was like like 7.30 on a Sunday morning on on, on on BBC Two. And he called through to me and he said, Dad, Dad, the TV's not working. I said, what do you mean the TV's not working? You're watching it. He said, no, the TV's not working. I can't fast forward the talking. (laughs) And so so he, he wanted to watch the highlights. He wanted to watch the clips. And in a world where everything is connected, he just didn't understand that he didn't have control of the media. And I think that's, that you know, that experience is is not, it's just sort of saying one, it doesn't really understand what live TV is, certainly not in a, if it's not a live event of some sort, yeah. but more importantly, this idea of control. And I think that's, that's when we think about consumer behavior and technology, that's really what it's coming down to, that the, there is a, de- a generation of consumers growing up who, who will expect a level of control over their media, and that's going to dictate a lot of what happens with regards to platforms and, and content in the future. God.
0: Oh, that was really funny. Um, yeah, no, I, I just thought you know I was I, I talked about me me consuming the short film content, but often I I don't think twice about sticking a Twitch stream on and that running for four hours in the background. So I think it's very much not a one size fits all thing for me in particular um i imagine it's the same for everyone they they want whatever content they're feeling at that time um and there's just an abundance of places to get it nowadays so it's, it's yeah completely agree it's important to get as much as your content out there in as many different ways as possible um and then gareth i wanted to touch on advertising as well because i'm always kind of interested in this and, and how advertising is almost shape uh, shaping with with technology um and just kind of open-ended question: Do you think that the future of advertising is is hyper-targeted? Um, you know, do you think that there's kind of a limit to how much data audiences uh, will feel comfortable with with companies holding against them? Uh, do you think we've kind of hit that limit yet, or, or do you think there's still some some uh, some way to go? Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, a, a fair bit to unpack there in that question. I think that. Well, if you start with the the, the hyper-targeted question at the start, and that's almost was always seen as the holy grail of advertising, but actually, mm-hmm. I think in many cases, when you look at certain types of brand advertising experiences, hyper-targeting mm-hmm. isn't necessarily valuable. There's a lot of you know FMCG, you know brands that uh, whether you're selling you know toothpaste or you know or cars, even to an extent that where. Actually the, the brand advertising is really, really important and therefore hitting a really big mass market is, is, is hugely important. and it doesn't necessarily need to be that targeted. it's actually about it's about the reach and making sure that your brand is, is front and center in the, in the mind of consumers and, and you know, TV obviously over, over time has been a, a brilliant platform for that. So I don't think it fits for, for every uh, every content experience. On the flip side, you know the success of platforms like uh, Facebook and Instagram in particular for creating these very targeted, Ad experiences in context, you know, in a social feed when you're browsing, and whether that's linked to, you know, to, I mean, to app installs for games or for, for shopping. Obviously, we're seeing growing on on Snap and and, and Instagram. These have been hugely successful, particularly for uh, you know more local advertisers. You know, if you're if you're a coffee shop in. Uh, you know, Brooklyn or in, uh, you know, in in Southwest London, actually, if you can, if you can advertise on a social platform to a local audience who is local to you, that's, that's hugely valuable because, you know, if you're a Brooklyn coffee shop and you're advertising in San Francisco, it's not hugely helpful to you in terms of audience. So I think those, I think that you've got to look at those two things. Um, They're both important. I think that, You know tv obviously in, in traditionally it's been, it's been impossible to do really targeted advertising because there was no two-way connection with that audience that's obviously changing with streaming and i do expect to see more uh more levels of of, of targeting to em- to emerge and, and more targeted advertising on those platforms yeah. but the industry's obviously suffered you know, as we know from some uh some challenging issues around data as you mentioned and also the user experience you know, the idea of being Followed around on the internet with a with a banner out of the the e commerce store that you just visited, trying to sell you the trainers that you've already bought. Uh, 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 it's it's not necessarily a great experience, so I think some of those things have to improve too. Mm. Uh, but I think with regards to data, I mean it's a it's a difficult question. There are. You know, there are services out there where we exchange our data as consumers and in, 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 in exchange we get free or discounted services and that if that's the trade that we've been making for, for quite a long time with regards to social platforms and many others um i think that there is definitely an understanding now that there is value to that data there's with um yeah you know, the, there is more legislation around to give people a greater control of what their what data there is uh, but on the flip side if you go onto Netflix and you start to get recommended movies and TV shows that you want to watch because essentially you're sharing a your consumption data with Netflix, you get a better experience. So there is a there is a trade-off where actually sharing data isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, if you're if you're a local football club or, or uh, uh, you know basketball team starts to you know starts to give you a more targeted you know experience as a fan or better offers or a, a VIP experience because you're loyal because they're using your data in an effective way is that you know is that a bad use of data or is that a really effective use for consumers? so I don't think there is a there's a one-size-fits-all answer to the data question but I do believe that um, that there are there are much greater opportunities to use data in a much more insightful, an impactful way. And I think this, you know, personalization has been a big topic in the industry for a long time. I think because, you know, the platforms that are doing well, actually, are things like the YouTube and the social platforms, they're not really seen as personalization engines, but that's essentially what they are for media. Yeah, you know, there can be some, some downsides to that, as, as, we, all, as we all know, the, some of the, the political challenges the last, the last few years. But essentially, they are great examples of actually using data in a really effective way to drive to drive a personal experience which drives engagement and i think that there are there are lots i think there, we'll see much more of that in more traditional media as people start to understand viewing behavior what people are interested in you can start to create an experience which is much more personal but i think it, i don't think it's an easy topic and i don't think it's something that that is solved um you know with a you know a three-month integration project and and uh, and then you, you you sort of move tv to being this personalized tv experience i think it's a lot more complicated than that. And going back to the the earlier point of our discussion, there are also these certain experiences where you can make it, you can actually bring hundreds, if not thousands or millions of people together for a shared content experience for something that's is not personal at all. It's about saying, hey, look, we want to get together to watch the World Cup final or the presidential inauguration or, you know, whatever it may be. And I think those things are also hugely important
0: yeah well I completely agree um, thank you for navigating that question as well Gareth I'm aware it was a, a, a little bit convoluted I just had all these kind of ideas in my head I just stuck it on the paper I was like I need to ask Gareth about this um, uh, and then Gareth this is a question we ask at the end of every podcast uh, and some guests find it a little bit harder than others uh, but I, I usually encourage them not to overthink it and basically just say the first thing that comes to their head um, and that's just if if you had to sum it up in one word what can we expect for the future of the broadcasting
1: industry? Change. I mean, that is that is the one-word answer. We're in we're in the, probably the most prolific era of change in the in the media industry of the last yeah you know, 10 or 20 years, whether it's what's happening in content creation, you know, with CGI and Unity and the Unreal Engines and all of the sort of you know, the computer vision that's happened content creation, whether production the area that we were moving production away from from you know heavy investment, fixed infrastructure to much more flexible, you know, cloud-based tools that have you know can create different types of content in different places, you know, democratize access. And also on the distribution side, yeah, we're we're we moving towards uh, an all connected sort of IP environment, whether it's streaming or social video or mobile um uh, or you know connected platforms. So then that's what, and then you add in Oculus and and uh, you know 3D glasses and um uh, mm-hmm. AR, all these other things coming. So I, th- I think it's a it's a really really fascinating time of change. and probably more more rapid, both technological and business model change in in this industry than we've had for for twenty or thirty years. So I think I think the next next decade will be fascinating.
0: 100 percent. I think eventually what we will do is go through all these podcasts and and boil it down to to uh, whatever everyone has said as their one word. And I think change, innovation, uh, it's it's they crop up quite often. I, I really think that sums up. The industry that we're in and it's, it, we're almost at a constant point of change aren't we um, which makes it really exciting it makes it exciting to wake up every morning and, and, and check the news and things like that uh, and have a look through social media and just see what everyone's talking about in this industry, what new trend is next, what new technology is up and coming and things like that um, and it all has a massive massive impact on, on everyday consumers doesn't it um, and audiences around the world so it's a it's a truly unique industry we're in Gareth I think Uh, and then obviously gareth thank you so much for joining us today and and helping me out with some of those questions Uh, i found that really insightful um what are some of the kind of exciting plans or projects that that grabio has got in the pipeline if if you can tell us today
1: sure happy to i think we we touched on it in the discussion earlier that we are we're really excited about the opportunity around live production we think that there there is going to be many more people uh, who want yeah, the tools and the access to create really professional uh, quality live production events, shows um, in the cloud, and that uh, they want the ability to do it do it flexibly, to do it remotely, to have access to the same quality of tools that you may have in a traditional sort of controllable production environment, um be able to do that in a really collaborative, distributive way. So that that's our big focus. We look at what we're rolling out. It's increasing you know, the video fidelity through our platform, building out um, the tools to support you know, remote and distributed teams in a more effective way. Looking at the way that we can integrate more third-party tools for you know for graphics or you know, access to the third-party platforms, um, and, and then extending you know just the scope of our existing sort of production and control of environments. And there's there's lots of work to do, uh, but you're going to see you know if you if you uh, you'll see over the course of the next three, four, six, you know, nine months is just a constant stream of updates. So we're yeah we're we're really dedicated. We're growing our team. We're, we're investing in uh, in engineering to, to to take advantage of what we think is an amazing opportunity. As we see this this uh, this transition um, of, of services, people, and technology to a more distributed cloud environment.
0: Yeah, you guys really aren't the kind of, of company that will ever sit still, are you? It's it's you know it's got to be constant updates, and I, I think that's what's needed in this industry, isn't it? Um, to keep on going with with what your consumers expect, um, what broadcasters expect, uh, which is fantastic stuff. Um, and then how can people get in touch with, with Grabio if they want to inquire about anything or find out more about what you're up to? The
1: best way to get into contact with us is just you know go to the website grabio.com uh, or we're hello at grabio. if you, .com if you want to email us. Uh, you can also follow updates on, on Twitter and LinkedIn uh, and uh, in, they're probably the, the core platforms for social perspective but we've just updated our website there's all of the new product updates are on there and yeah, our team will be happy to, to talk to anyone who wants to find out more Yeah,
0: brilliant stuff and, and what we'll do gareth we'll link to your website in the podcast description as well so anyone on spotify apple podcasts uh you guys can head there and, and find out more about Grabia there uh so again yeah thank you so much gareth really do appreciate it for, for coming on and educating me about a few of these topics uh really do appreciate it thank you mate thanks great to talk to you Cheers, gareth.